0: Well, if you're not aware, Pastor Tim has begun his three-month sabbatical. And the leadership just want to encourage you that we see this as a very important time for Pastor Tim and for our church. Uh, We really want to emphasize to all of you and to all of us and remind us that this is a time that we need to be in fervent prayer for him. Because as the Lord guides and directs him in these next several months, that is how he will lead us as a congregation in the future. That's how he will continue to pray for us moving forward. How he will continue to teach the word to us moving forward. So at this time, we're just going to spend uh, a little time before we go to the word together and celebrate the Lord's Supper. We're going to spend some time together uh, praying for Pastor Tim. Let's pray. Father God, we truly are thankful for the fact that you love us. That you have an intimate relationship for us. And we thank you for our ability as a congregation to gather together and worship you. Oh Father, we thank you for the leadership that you've given to us and the faithful leading of Pastor Tim over these last years. Father, he has... He has taught the Word to us. He has prayed with us. He has been beside us through difficult times. And now, Lord, we pray that as he is on this three-month sabbatical, we pray that you would refresh his soul. Father, that you would use your Word in a very mighty way in his life. That he would be renewed and be able to come back and lead even better with a new vision and, and the direction for that you would have him to lead this congregation. And Father, we pray that that this time would be fruitful in his life individually and in the life of this congregation. Father, we thank you for all that you're going to accomplish through him. In Jesus' name, amen. So while Pastor Tim is on vacation, I will be doing uh, a majority of the preaching, and we will be looking at uh, discipleship. As the pastor of discipleship and uh, the new role and responsibility that I have we I want this to be a time for us as a congregation to just examine god 's Word together, so open your Bibles with me to 2 Corinthians chapter three this morning we 're going to really be looking at verse eighteen together, but we 're going to read a little more than that and if you don 't have a Bible and you are here this morning or uh, joining us online via live stream, we would be glad to provide one for you if you 're here now, there are Bibles in the chairs in front of you that you may use or take with you, Uh, but we would also, if you contact us, we would love to provide God's word for you so that you can study it on your own. Uh, So we are going to be in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, beginning in verse 12 is where I will start reading this morning. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. In verse 18, where we'll spend most of our time, And we all, with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image, from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. So, I want us to begin thinking this morning about what happens when a baby is born. Whether it's a, a home birth or a birthing center, or a hospital. Not surprisingly, there are many processes and procedures that are all in place to take place within the first five minutes of that child being born. To try to make sure that that child has everything that is necessary to get them started on the right foot. So that he or she can grow up and develop into a mature, healthy adult. And then parents spend the next 18 or 35 years of their life trying to continue to help them grow. Investing time. education, getting them involved in the right training, having the right friends, having the right influences in their lives. We spend our lives helping them to grow into mature adults. But even then, so I'm told a parent's job isn't done, when they're mature adults, parents get to come alongside and to encourage and share wisdom and laugh with their kids and cry with their kids. It is a very important thing that we do. And it all starts from the moment that that child is born. So that's what happens when someone is born. Now I ask us, what happens when someone is born again? What is the process that we go through when when someone is born again? As believers, we should be invested in sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ with others, helping them to understand that we are all sinners. But God in his infinite wisdom and mercy sent his son Christ Jesus to die on the cross for our sins so that through his death, burial, and resurrection, he could demonstrate victory over sin and death in the grave. And we have hope of eternal life through faith in him. You see, that is the good news, and it is so life-changing that it's said that it is like being born for a second time or being born again. So if we go to such great lengths the first time someone is born, we immediately make sure that they're on this pathway of health and, and development and growth in their life. What do we do when someone is born again? Unfortunately, in many churches, we congratulate them, give them a handshake. We maybe give them a little pamphlet or a book, say, hey, study this. Tell them about a class or this website that they can go to where they can learn more information about what it means to be a Christian. Is there another mic on still, John? John? we were having a, an issue earlier with our microphones and apparently I just have a booming deep bolt voice that likes to reverberate so what, what we do when someone is, is born again unfortunately isn't the same level of commitment that people make when, when someone is born for the first time and as a result we see in our churches, our homes, our workplaces and in all the world around us we see Christians who have been converted but not disciples born, but never really grown. They've been made new, but never really made mature believers in Christ. And so as a body of Christ, we must never accept that some believers are simply spiritually immature, and that's the way that they're going to be. We should never accept that, that there are Christians who are just not going to grow into mature believers. You see, the Christian life involves our salvation, that moment when, when, when we understand the gospel and, and God indwells us with his Holy Spirit and we're called into that saving relationship with him where we go from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light, where we go from being enemies of God to being his sons and daughters, That is our moment. That is our salvation. But then it also involves our our sanctification, how we're growing in Christ. And this is where the discipleship process is so very important, where you and I are involved in one another's lives so that we're growing in Christ and we're seeing others grow in Christ. And then ultimately our glorification, that moment when Christ will call us home, when we're taken from this earth to spend eternity with Christ, where there is no more sin, no more tears, and no more sorrow. And regardless of whether a person came to faith in Christ a minute ago, a week ago, a month ago, or 80 years ago, we need to understand that they need to be involved in this process of sanctification and growth and discipleship in their life. You see, we are not called to make converts, but to make disciples. To not only lead people to faith that saves them, but to help them to see that they need to grow and develop in that faith, so that they too can help others grow and develop in their faith. All of us are called into this ministry to one another. So we're going to spend the summer meditating on what that means for us right here at First Baptist Church. And, and we're going to not come up with some new church program, not necessarily any new truth, but instead I want us to dive deep into God's Word to see what it is, how it is that God wants us to be involved in one another's lives, how you and I can be spurring one another on toward love and good deeds. So that, so that we will be able to see growth in this area of being discipled and of discipling others. And we're going to begin that journey this morning by looking at the change that takes place in us. And we're going to mostly, as I said, look at 2 Corinthians 3.18. And we all with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord who is Spirit our first point that I want us to look at this morning is that Jesus did not die so that we could stay just as I am. Spiritual growth is not just for a few, but for every Christian. Jesus did not die so that you and I could be content, have eternal life, and live our lives however that we would please. Jesus died so that our sins could be forgiven, that we could be called into a relationship with him, that we could be his And now, by being indwelt with the Holy Spirit, we can live for Him. And that is not just for a few, but for every Christian. Look at how our verse begins. It begins with these simple words, And we all, with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed. When we're looking at the Bible, and we're studying God's Word, sometimes it's easy to skip over important words. And we we jump to the concepts and phrases which our mind grabs a hold of to try to help us to understand the deep truth of scripture that's not always a bad thing and in this passage we may jump to to seeing what christ has done for us or or what it means to be transformed and we'll look more at that but i don't want us to skip over the very beginning that says and we all all of us we need to, to think about what the transformative power of Christ looks like in us. But we must understand that this is for every believer in Christ. If you are in Christ, you are to be, you are transformed because of what he has done for you immediately, your salvation. But we are to be transformed. We're supposed to be growing in our relationship with Christ. That's what every single one of us is called into when we are called into a relationship with with Jesus. Transformation is happening in our lives because of what Christ has done for us. Everyone, all, if you are in Christ, you are being transformed by His power. We must be changed. Someone who has been truly born again will be transformed. There's no such thing as praying a prayer, prayer, praying a prayer to accept Christ and not having our lives changed. And there's no such thing as a Christian who is not growing in the grace of God in his or her life. You see, too often we treat the kingdom of God as if it were some kind of man-made caste system. Well, you know, up here we have the Christians who are really good at prayer and they're really good at studying the Bible and they're really good at oh, the, the, the spiritual disciplines which help them to grow in their life. And if they do that enough, then they get to be like a super Christian and they get to become like a pastor or a missionary or, or something really, or an elder, or like something really important up there, right? We create this man-made caste system, but, but I'm just down here and I'm just like this normal Christian and I'm not really good at those things. And I'm not really good at growing in my faith. And I'm not really good at studying the Word. I'm just a normal Christian. But God doesn't create that dichotomy in Scripture. Our fallen, sinful human nature creates that dichotomy. God tells us that we all should be getting transformed by the power of Christ in us. If you are in Christ, you should be getting transformed daily. And there's nothing normal about a Christian who is not growing in their faith. Now with that being said, I do want to be a little cautious here because spiritual growth is a lifelong journey, right? There are are moments in our lives where we will be growing quickly and there are moments in our lives where we may be struggling and and putting sin to death in our lives and, and our growth maybe isn't happening the way that as exponentially as we would like to see it taking place though we might have times when it feels like we're moving faster or slower than others or at other times in our lives we continue to persevere in spiritual growth never believing that we've somehow reached this this mythical man-made idea of a pinnacle of our faith where we can stop growing because our, our text tells us that this change happens from one degree of glory to another i remember years ago listening to a an older African-American preacher who, had, who said we we're being changed from glory to glory, right? It, it, it's this incremental daily change that takes place in our lives. And that's how God is transforming us from glory, from one degree of glory to another. And while this initial transformation happens at salvation, we go and we go from objects of God's wrath to his beloved children, it, it's this daily growth and changing and transformation from glory to glory, where, where we learn to live out the truth that God has already told us, where we lo- begin to learn to live what it means, know what it means to be a child of God and to live out that truth in our daily lives. But God's transformative power should always be making those incremental changes in our lives. And different seasons of life will bring different challenges and different growth opportunities. Sometimes they will be very small things in our life that God uses to grow us. And sometimes they're huge things. But they're all opportunities for spiritual growth and transformation in our lives. This past week, we were all confronted with something that should never happen. Ten-year-olds are not supposed to die. And as believers, we have to ask ourselves, will we allow even a tragedy such as this to be used to transform us into the image of Christ? Will we allow God to use our hurts and our pains to transform us into the image of Jesus? Will we allow other believers to come alongside and encourage us, weep with us, mourn with us, and to help us go deeper into our relationship with Christ? Is that what we will do? Because if not, Satan will use those moments in our lives to bring fear, to bring anger to bring bitterness, to bring discouragement, to bring all of the things that will stunt our growth in Christ, all those things that will be a stumbling block to the transformative power of Christ in our lives. There are times and seasons in life. Ecclesiastes teaches us that. But please remember that growth never stops if you are a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ. If you have breath in your lungs, you never reach some mythical place where God stamps you as done. You know all the knowledge about Jesus that you know. You know all the daily habits that you need to know. There's no such thing as reaching that pinnacle until God calls us home to glory. It's important that we all understand that. All of us are in this growth process. And until we take our final breath, we're to be growing in him. So, so how does this growth take place? What is it about us that, that changes? Our text tells us that, that we are those with unveiled faces. It is important for us to understand what that concept means. Outside of the work of the Holy Spirit, the human mind and heart are blind to the truth of the gospel. Outside of, of the Holy Spirit's work in our life, our fallen, sinful, human condition of our minds is that they are hardened and they cannot understand the truth of God. And there's a veil over our minds and our heart, our text tells us. In Second, in Second Corinthians 4, Paul expands on that a little bit more. And when he says, In their case, the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ who is the image of God. We see this concept coming back that that the glory of Christ, who is the image of God, and and, and the veil that blinds the minds of unbelievers to keep them from seeing the gospel, to keep them from seeing Jesus. In our fallen, sinful human nature, we have a veil on our minds and on our hearts. Pastor Tim preached a message on the noetic effect of sin a couple years ago. In it, he, he, he gave this definition. He said that the fall into sin has caused mankind to ignore and deny their creator. Sin has affected our minds and causes our thinking to become futile apart from Christ. Note that all of this is apart from Christ. You see, only through Christ can our spiritual blindness be removed. It is a work of Jesus to remove that spiritual blindness. Look back with me at verses 13 and 14 of 2 Corinthians 3. Not like Moses, who put a veil over his face so that the Israelites might not gaze at the outcome of what was being brought to an end, but their minds were hardened. For to this day, when they read the Old Covenant, that same veil remains unlifted, because only through Christ is it taken away. Only through Christ can the veil be removed. But the good news is, praise the Lord, look at verse 16. But when one turns to the Lord, the veil is removed. When we come to Christ, everything changes. Everything changes. Because we are indwelt with the power of the Holy Spirit, and we now have the ability to understand God's Word. And the Spirit can illuminate God's Word in our lives and show us what we need to know and to understand to live for Him. We, we, can, we can have our minds that they can now see clearly. Our hearts can finally pursue God. Our lives can please the Lord in the strength that He provides by the Holy Spirit dwelling in us. We can and we must now, because of the Holy Spirit, be transformed daily into the image of Christ. Our thoughts, our attitudes, our actions can now come in line with who we are in Christ our new identity in Christ, can now be worked out daily and we can be growing into that image and transformed into that image of our Savior, the Lord Jesus. And I am here to tell you this morning that that is real change that we can trust. You see, our world loves to talk about change. Our world loves to to say, well, you know what, maybe this political thing will be the change that we need. Maybe this educational opportunity will be the thing that we need. Maybe if I have just the right amount of money, that will be the change that we need. But none of those things can give the transformation that God's Word is telling us about here. The kind of transformation that God is telling us He wants to see in our lives only comes because of Him. You see, transformation is a supernatural activity one that no human is capable of on their own or empowered by others. The kind of transformation that takes place here is is a work of God, not of our own spiritual volition. I cannot will the kind of transformation in my life that God is talking about here. You cannot will that kind of transformation for me. As much as I love seeing brothers and sisters come alongside one another, we cannot make that take place in one another's lives. Instead, we are to come alongside and encourage one another to to allow God to do the work in their life that he has promised that he will do. You see, because when we come to know Christ, those three instantaneous transformations take place. We go from being enemies of God and being saved, our salvation. But now through the power of the Holy Spirit, we should become more and more like our Savior who sacrificed himself and gave himself up for us. Our sanctification. And our glorification is so promised that Paul speaks of it in that perfect tense. It will happen. We will be glorified. And all those take place at the moment of salvation. 1 John 3 verses 1 through 3 give us a, a great picture of what this looks like in one simple passage. It says, see what kind of love the Father has given us that we should be called children of God. And so we are. The reason why the world does not know us is that it did not know Him. Beloved, we are God's children now, and what we will be has not yet appeared. But we know that when He appears, we shall be like Him, because we shall see Him as He is, and everyone who thus hopes in Him purifies himself as He is pure. We are not all yet what we will be, but because He is pure, we should be growing in purity and living in our godly life for Him. Because he is just, we must be just. Because because he is self-sacrificial, we should no longer live for ourselves, but for the one who gave himself up for us. Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, some of my favorite verses tell tell us, I beseech you therefore, brother, in view of God's mercy, do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your minds. Then you will be able to test and prove what God's will is. Our bodies should be living sacrifices, committed to the Lord, and and we should be renewing our minds every day. That's what this transformation process looks like, by the renewing of our minds, by by the Word, and and through prayer, and through commitments to our acts of worship and daily service of Him. Pastor Dan read Colossians chapter 3 later in that, that passage, when it's talking about this old self and the new self. It talks about putting on the old self and putting on the... Putting off the old self and putting on the new self, which is being renewed in the knowledge and the image of its creator. This is what God wants for us that daily we are being renewed into the image and the knowledge of our creator and our savior, Jesus. You see, we are to be transformed into the image of Christ, and it will happen. If you are in Christ, that transformation process will happen. Look at what the final phrase of of this verse reads. It says, For this comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. The Spirit is the guarantee of our salvation. And the Spirit is the guarantee of the transformative power of Christ being at work in us daily if we are in Christ. It's not up to my power. It's not up to your power. But praise the Lord, we get to come alongside one another and see this process taking place in each other's lives. And while all of this transformation is completely by and for God, and through the power of the Holy Spirit, all summer long we're going to examine how do we then do this thing called discipleship? How do we come alongside and help one another in this process of sanctification? Because while no one can accomplish the process of sanctification by their own power, God has empowered us to grow and called us to help one another in that process. You see, sanctification and discipleship are much like evangelism and salvation. As much as we wish that we could, we cannot save someone else. And yet, God calls us to witness to the power of the gospel. God calls us to tell others what Christ has done for them. And then we get the joy and the privilege through our obedience of seeing God save some. That's the same in the process of discipleship and sanctification it's not by our own strength or power that the discipleship and sanctification process takes place but praise the lord because of his wisdom we get the joy and the privilege of coming alongside and seeing that take place and seeing people grow in christ and much like when someone is born for the first time sometimes there's complications in people's lives we need to come alongside and see that growth process take place. We need to encourage them. We need to spur them on. Sometimes we need to rebuke and correct them. And we do all those things in love. And we should be expecting that other believers are doing the same in my life, that they are spurring me on into into God's Word so that God's Word and His Holy Spirit can transform me more into the image of Christ each and every day. While real transformation can't happen by my strength or your strength, God tells us if we're in Christ, it will happen. And we have the privilege and the joy of seeing that transformation take place in the lives of one another. So we're going to look specifically at some things, some ways that we are called to live. Some things that we are called to do. And we will uh, talk throughout the summer about some possible ministries that might, might help us in this. Because we need to understand fully that we are called to disciple one another and to be discipled by one another. As brothers and sisters in Christ at this local body, we want to drive ourselves deep into God's word and deep into one another's lives so that we can have that joy and privilege of seeing God grow people from glory to glory. And I praise the Lord for that privilege and opportunity that we have. And I hope that this summer it will challenge us how we can do that more effectively for him. At this time, we are going to celebrate the Lord's Supper together.